Thank you for listening to the Victory Church online podcast. We are so excited that you joined us for today's message by Senior Pastor Gary Hart from Victory Church in Great Falls, Montana. Our prayer is that today's message will inspire you to join us in changing the world by helping people find and follow Jesus. Now here's Pastor Gary. Well, we're beginning uh, our Christmas series today. Uh, It's a series that we've entitled Winning This Christmas. Winning This Christmas. And as most of you probably know, uh, our latest theme for our church has been helping people win. That's what we're all about. We want to help people win. We want to help them win in life. We want to help them win in their marriages. We want to help them win in their family. We want to help them win in their finances. We just want to help people win. And so as we were contemplating our, our series, we asked ourselves the question, how can we help people win at Christmas? That's a really great question. And so as we were contemplating the Christmas story, uh, there was one theme that, that we kept seeing come uh, throughout the, the entirety of the story, whether it was uh, the story about Mary or the story about Joseph or the story about Zacharias or even a group of lowly shepherds who were keeping watch over their flock by night. All of them had this unique experience where an angel of the Lord appeared to them and declared to them these four words, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Fear is a very real and present issue in people's lives. And that fear can often keep us from the victory that God wants us and desires for us to have and experience in our life. Fear can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. Fear can manifest itself in worry, right? We, we begin to worry about things that may or may not happen. It can manifest itself in anxiety. You know, that, that just that uncomfortable feeling that comes on us and, and begins to terrorize our lives, that, that anxiety. For many, fear manifests itself in depression. They become so overwhelmed with the fear that they, they go into a state of de- depression trying to avoid or trying to ignore the fears that are happening in their life. For some, fear manifests itself in procrastination. Come on. And so we avoid stuff because of the fear. And as I was thinking about this, you know, fear manifests itself even at Christmas time in our shopping habits. I don't know if you're aware of this, but oftentimes because of fear that we have in our life, maybe it's the fear of what our kids might think or the fear of not giving them the Christmas we think they deserve, or the fear of what they're looking like as, we're looking like as parents and we want our kids to like us and think we're the greatest parents in the world. We go out and we buy things they don't need with money we don't have. And really it stems out of fear in our lives. And so uh, if you want to subtitle this series of messages, Uh, we could subtitle it, Overcoming the Spirit of Fear. So over the next several weeks, we're going to help you win this Christmas by overcoming the spirit of fear. Did you bring your Bibles? Come on, haven't you got your Bibles? You know I'm going to keep pestering you until every one of you brings your Bible. 
How many of you even know where your Bible is? Come on, you gotta know where your Bible is and you need to dust it off, right? Get, get off the shelf, bring it to church with you and look at it yourself, all right? Find out where these truths are in your Bible. So if you got your Bible, come on, more than just your electronic, I know a lot of people have it on the electronic, that's all right. Hold it up high, we're gonna make the good declaration of our faith together. Come on, this is a declaration of our faith. Say it with me, come on. This is my Bible, it's true. I accept everything it has to offer me. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I walk by faith and not by sight. I am what the word says I am. I have what the word says I have, and I can do what the word says I can do. Today I will be taught the word of God. My mind is alert, my heart is receptive. I'll never be the same, in Jesus' name, amen. Wow, you sounded awesome today. Are you ready? Today, I wanna talk to you from the story of Mary. And I, I wanna address this subject, the fear of obeying God. The fear of obeying God. Because you see, sometimes I think people treat God a lot like they treat that annoying person in your life. Anybody have any annoying people? And the annoying person that always seems to want something from you, right? And so you know when your phone rings and you look at it, you see their name there, you know they're going to be asking you for something. And so rather than just answering the phone, you just go ahead and let it slide through to, eat, to voicemail, right? Or, or, you're, or you're in the, the, over at Walmart East, come on now, it's Victory East over there, Walmart, and uh, you're walking through the store and all of a sudden you see old so-and-so, come on, don't look at him right now. And um, you, you see old so-and-so and you think, I, I, I don't have time for this, I don't want to get engaged because I know they're gonna wanna talk to me and, and so you just kinda let your cart go in a different direction and you just kinda ignore like you ever saw them. <clears throat> oh, don't, don't be so spiritual, Cheryl. You know you do it all the time, right? And, uh, and sometimes I think, uh, even inadvertently and unknowingly, many of us can treat God that way. In, in other words, we, we want the good stuff from God. We want the blessings. We, we want the blessing of heaven. We want all the richness of his goodness in our life. But we don't want to get so close to God that if we surrendered everything to God, he may require something more of us. I mean, he may ask us to do something that we really don't want to do. He might invite us to go on a mission trip to Africa. Or, or he may want you to give up something that you really enjoy doing. If you get too close to God, he might make you marry someone ugly. And, God would never ask you to do that, would he? Right? But, but you know what I'm saying. We, we, like, we like God. We want, we want to be close to God, but we don't want to get so close and so surrendered that if he asks us to do something maybe that we don't want to do, that, you know, that, that wouldn't be good. Because sometimes there's this sense of fear. What if I give it all to him and my life doesn't go the way I want it to go? Right? And that fear can overwhelm 
and overtake us. You see, some would say that fear is the absence of faith. But I would disagree. I'd argue with you that fear is actually faith in reverse. (laughs) It's just faith in the wrong things. You could say fear is placing your faith in the what ifs. What if the economy falls apart? What if I lose my job? What if someone I, I love gets cancer? What if I never ever get married? What if I marry a jerk? What if I marry a jerk and we have kids that look like the jerk? And it's the eternal reminder that I married a jerk. I mean, and the fears just keep on going. What if, what if, and we're gonna have a lot of fun today. Fear is placing our faith in the wrong scenario. And the good news for you today is found in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number one of verse seven. Look what it says here. For God has not given us what? God has not given us what? But God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of, what does it say? Say it. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. So if God has not given us the spirit of fear, then we should not let it rule our lives and rob us of the blessings that God wants to perform in us. Amen? So let's talk about the fear of obeying God. And we're gonna look at it from the story of when the angel appeared to the teenage girl named Mary. Why is it that we are often afraid of God's plan? Why are we afraid to obey God? Well, there's, there's lots of answers to that question, but I wanna give you two today. All right? I wanna give you two very important reasons why we oftentimes have a hard time. We, we get into fear when it comes to obeying God. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. Write it down. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. How how many of you found that to be true? Right? God's interruptions. God interrupts us, but it's often at a very inconvenient time. In fact, you're going to see this in the story of Mary in Luke's gospel, chapter number 1. Uh, Let's get started there. We'll read verses 26 through 29, then we'll kind of move on from there. But let's let's go ahead. Let's read where the story starts. In verse 26, it says, in the sixth month, sixth month of what? Elizabeth's pregnancy. Well, who's Elizabeth? Well, Elizabeth was Mary's relative, right? She was pregnant, going to have a baby in six months. We've got lots of pregnant ladies going on around here. I think that's kind of cool. And so... Uh, she's pregnant, and, and an angel had appeared to her husband, Zachariah, in the temple and told them that she was going to have a baby. She was old, and she wasn't supposed to be able to have kids anymore. They were childless, and so the angel came and said, you're going to have a baby. So it was a surprise to them, but now she's pregnant, and she's pregnant with the guy who eventually is going to be John the Baptist, right? Now, the angel came to Mary, and the Bible says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged or engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The story goes on, verse 28. Gabriel, the angel, went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, is she excited? Is she like, wow, I've always wanted to see an angel. No, no, she's freaked out. 
I mean, how would you feel if this big, tall angel just appeared to you? It'd probably freak you all out too. And she's, the Bible says she's very troubled at his words. What is going on here? And what, are, what kind of greeting this might be? In other words, what in the world does all this mean? Now let's just get into the backstory just a little bit about Mary because you gotta understand what's going on in her mind and in her life. We don't know for sure just how old Mary is at this point. She could be 14, maybe 15 or 16. And the reason that she's that particular age is because in her culture, once a young girl reached puberty, she was then pledged or engaged to be married, pledged by her family to someone. She was pledged to be married to Joseph. If you can just for a moment get inside this young girl's mind, she's probably all amped up about what's going on in her life. And if this is a modern day bride, what's she doing? Right? If she's a modern day bride today, what would a bride be doing? Well, she'd be searching on Pinterest. Right? She's excited, trying to find all the creative ideas to make her wedding day special and, and unforgettable. She's practicing signing her signature with her husband's last name because she, she wants to, that first check she writes, she wants to make sure she gets that right. Or she's naming her future children. Like, I like Colt. And, I, <laughs> and she's coming up with all these names. And suddenly, suddenly, the angel interrupts all of her plans. And it is incredibly inconvenient to the way she had her future mapped out. What can we learn from this principle? It's very important. Listen, what we call interruptions are actually God's invitations. What we call interruptions are actually God's invitations. Those times when we feel God is interrupting me, he's actually inviting us to something higher, something better in our life. Think about it through the scriptures. Moses is out walking in the field one day and God interrupts him with a burning bush. Right? Just out of the blue. Moses has this burning bush experience and God calls him from being a shepherd on the backside of nowhere to being the leader of the people who would lead Israel out of Egyptian bondage. Think about Jonah. Right? Jonah's out for his daily workout, taking a swim. When God interrupts him with a big fish, right? He says, hey, I want you to go and do what I told you to do originally and go and preach repentance to Nineveh. God interrupted Jonah's plans. Or think about in the New Testament, this guy by the name of Saul, he's out killing Christians arresting them, and he's on his way down to Damascus in order to arrest Christians there when God interrupts him. A blinding light knocks him off of his high horse and invites Saul, who later becomes Paul, into an adventure where Paul actually becomes the the prophet to the Gentiles and writes almost two-thirds of our New Testament. God interrupted plans with an invitation to something better. And I believe 
There are many of us who often shake off God's invitations because we feel like they're interruptions. When God really wants to do something new and different in our lives. And I don't know how this is going to play out in your life, but if you'll be sensitive enough to see what we call interruptions as a possible invitation, God might take you somewhere new or somewhere different to do something special that you could not have predicted on your own. See, it can play out in a number of different ways. And there are some of you, you've got your own interruption invitation stories, but some of you, you weren't, you weren't very religious people. You didn't, you didn't go to church, right? And uh, someone interrupted your plans by inviting you to go to church. And they kept bugging you and they kept nagging at you, right, to come to church. And you're like, nah, I, I don't got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm not interested. And finally, you surrendered because that's the way Victory Church people are. They just don't take no for an answer. Come on, right? They're like the waves of an ocean. They just keep coming and keep coming. They don't go away. So you finally say, okay, I'll go. You come to church and you thought, oh, I'll just endure it, get in, get out, get it over with so they'll stop bugging me. And then something happened. A song touched your heart. Someone said something or the message was like God was speaking directly to you and your heart started to soften and suddenly you found yourself being drawn to God. And one day you cried out and asked God to forgive you. And something happened. Something began to have you experience the supernatural presence of God. And your life began to change in a very dramatic way. And what you thought was an interruption was actually an invitation to something better. Way, way, way better. And then you discovered it continued to happen. Your friend's in the hospital, and you're feeling this urge. Something is compelling you to go up to the hospital and visit your friend, and in your mind you're going, I don't have time for this. And what is this, God? You, you know I'm busy. I don't have time to do that. And there's this unmistakable draw that's pulling you and saying, you need to go see so-and-so in the hospital. And so you take the interruption and you go. And you, you didn't realize that it was actually God's invitation for you to minister to someone in that hospital. And suddenly you find yourself speaking words. You're saying, where in the world did those words come from? I, I, how would I have known that? Right? God was using you in a way. You, and you walk away from the experience going, wow, that was so cool how God used me in that. See, God's interruption was actually an invitation to be used by him in a way that was bigger and better than you could have ever imagined. And the next week you come to church and someone says, hey, do we have an opportunity for you? And you think, well, I could do that, but I just don't have the time. I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't 
give up four hours on a Sunday morning so that I can volunteer in one service and attend the other service. I mean, who does that? People do it all the time, just so you know, right? We have that philosophy, you serve one service, you attend one service, and this opportunity comes, and, and you don't know why, that even though you don't have time, you find yourself talking to Billy. And the next thing you know, you have signed up to work in the children's ministry, and you don't even like children. Two months later, you're thinking, I can't wait for Sunday, it's the best two hours of my week. I just can't wait. I love to impart spiritual life to kids. What happened? God interrupted you with an invitation to something that was far greater than you could have ever imagined. And the angel of the Lord appears to this girl who has her life all planned out and says, I've got something different for you. Well, then what does the angel say? In verse number 30, let's go to verse number 30. The NIV translates it this way. Do not be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid. I, I know I've introduced something kind of new to you. I, I know I've, I've declared, but don't be afraid. God is with you. You have found favor with God, wow, how cool is that? Angel appears to you, shows up and says, hey, don't be afraid, you found favor with God. Now, I don't know about you, but if God's got some favor to dole out, come on, line me up, I, I'm ready, bring on the favor. But what we're gonna find out is the favor that God had for Mary wasn't exactly what she thought it was gonna be. I'm thinking if I'm married, dude, <laughs> God, give me that favor. I just landed a spot on a wedding reality show and my wedding is paid for and my honeymoon as well. Come on. And I, I'm signing up for say yes to the dress. <laughs> Dumbest show in, <laughs> right? Or you could see the Jerusalem version of weddings for real people. I mean, she's, she's thinking, man, I've, I've hit the jackpot. Favor's coming my way. And she's excited. But that wasn't at all what the angel had in mind. He had something very, very different in mind for you. Why are we often afraid of God's plans? Number one, because his interruptions are often inconvenient. And number two, write this down. Because God's purpose is often different than our plans. God's purpose is often different than our plans. We have a tendency to plan our life out. We know where we're headed, we know, and then God comes along and wants to take us in a different direction and we've got a choice. Do I want God's purpose? Or do I want to just stick with my plan? We see this in verses 31 through 33. The angel reveals God's purpose to this young girl and says, you will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And here is this powerful announcement. The Lord God 
will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Can you imagine, Mary? What, what, what did you just say? I'm going to give birth to the Son of God? His name will be Jesus? And he's going to be the Savior of the world? What kind of angel are you? Are you smoking crack? What, what's the deal here? That, that's outrageous. You can only imagine this teenage girl and her emotions swinging back and forth as God's interruption becomes an invitation and disturbs her plan as he reveals his purpose. I mean, think about it. There must have been a moment where she's blown away in amazement with humility. Oh my goodness. God has chosen me to be the mother of the Son of God. And then, boom, her emotions swing to the entire other side. What, what, what are people going to think about me? You got to understand that to be pregnant out of wedlock in her culture meant to be killed, to be put to death by stoning. I've been chosen. Honor. Fear. I have to tell Joseph. You can just imagine what that conversation was going to be like. Uh, hey, Joe. Joey, are you there? Are you sitting down? Uh, I just wanted you to know uh, I'm pregnant. Oh, but, but it's okay. It's okay because it's by the Holy Spirit. Joey? Uh, Joe? Joseph, are you there? <laughs> right? What, what, how, would you, how would you do that? See, God's purposes are way, way different than her plans. The Bible says, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so God's purposes are higher than our purposes. So are his plans higher than our plans, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And again, I, I don't know how this is going to play out in your life, but when God interrupts you with an invitation to something else, you're going to discover that his purposes are way different than your plans. It may be that you dreamed of having the perfect, healthy family. And then you find out that you're getting a child who's going to be born with special needs. And it rocks your world. Questions like, why us? What did we do? And you have no idea the blessing that this child is going to be to your life and how that it's going to bring you closer to God and well up more love within your heart than you ever dreamed possible because his purposes may be entirely different than your plans. You may lose a job one day and you think, man, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. God, you, you certainly can't be in this. Where are you and how am I going to pay the bills? And then suddenly you have no other option but to start the business that you'd always kind of wanted to start in the back of your mind. And years later, you look back and say, wow, what I thought was a curse was actually a blessing because God's purpose was so much different than my plans. You may have been in a relationship with a person you thought that you would marry. They were perfect 
And then the relationship went south and you thought, I'll never ever have a good marriage. I mean, who could ever be like that person? And they had no idea that God was preparing another person that was indescribably better suited to serve God together with that person. And they just couldn't see it at the time because God's purposes are different than our plans. See, God does have a plan to bless you and to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. But he will every now and then move in in what you might call an interruption. But from his perspective, it's an invitation to something that's higher and different because his purposes are always different than your plans. Now back to the story. The angel's announcement, Mary responds back. Luke chapter one, verse 34. How will this be since I am a virgin? In other words, this is totally impossible. It's beyond impossible. It's absurd. It's physically impossible for this to happen. How many of you have ever had one of those moments? You felt like God spoke something to you, was leading you in a certain direction, and you were thinking to yourself, this is impossible. Well, I promise you, there's going to come a time, if you're a follower of Christ, that God is going to interrupt you with an invitation to something that's different. And his purpose is going to be different from your plan, and he's going to ask you to have faith and believe him, but you're going to look at it. And you're gonna say, I don't see how that's possible. God, how can you ask me to forgive that person? After what they did to me and after what they said, it would be impossible for me to forgive them. God, I don't know how. I'm gonna trust you. To be generous when, when I don't seem to have very much at all right now. How can I be a generous person when I, I'm, I'm struggling? And, and you want me to trust you that if I give, you will give back to me? I just don't see how that's possible at all. God, I don't believe you could heal my marriage. After what's happened, there's no way we could ever have a good relationship again. It's impossible. God, how in the world could you ever reconcile this relationship with one of my children? After what they said and after what I did, it's broken and it's gone forever. How? How? It, it could never happen. God, there's no way you could heal this person I love. I mean, the doctor said you might as well prepare for the end. It's totally and completely impossible. And that's what we see with Mary when she says it's impossible. There's no way. But the angel of the Lord had a word for her. And it's a word for someone here today. Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, the angel of the Lord said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. In other words, this isn't a job for people. This is a God-sized job, and only God is possible to bring this to pass. 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Look what verse 37 says. Verse 37. For nothing is impossible with God. Come on, can you say that? For nothing is impossible with God. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say it again. For nothing is impossible with God. Not with yourself. With God. Not with the people who are around you. With God. Nothing is impossible with God. And I don't know who came to church today just for this moment. But there's someone here who's facing an obstacle. And you need to know that nothing is impossible with God. And that what may be impossible with man is absolutely and completely possible with God. We serve a God who is all-knowing, ever-present, and all-powerful. And one spoken word, and God can intervene in any situation. Our God is that good, and all things are possible with God. But Mary says, I see no way. This could never happen. And the angel says, for nothing is impossible with God. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I believe that for all of you who are followers of Christ, there's going to come a time when something interrupts you and you think, I don't like that. Right? That's inconvenient. Your divine antennas are up. <laughs> and you know that God's invitation is an invitation to a purpose that's different than your plans. And God may ask you to believe for something that seems unbelievable, something that you could never accomplish. And the truth is, on your own, you couldn't. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so as we prepare to close today, the worship team can begin to come. I want to ask you now, very, very simply, listen, what is God asking you to do or to believe? What is it that God is asking you to do or believe? If you're a follower of Christ, then I believe with all my heart that God is a speaking God. And he's involved in your life and he wants to direct you. He wants to shape you and lead you and guide you. What is he asking you to do or believe? For some of you, the answer is immediate. You already know, but you've been resisting. You know what God's asked you to do, but you've been in a position of resisting that. Maybe it's fear of the unknown. It's fear that God's purpose is different than your plan. For others of you, it may take a couple of days or a few sessions in prayer where you simply come before God and say, God, what do you have for me? What, what's what's next for me in this next season of my life? What do you have for me to do? For some of you, it's going to come to you. I'm supposed to start a ministry that God's placed in my heart. That's what I need to do. 
For some of you, it's going to be to try to restore a relationship that's gone bad, and he's going to direct you in that way. For some of you, he may even ask you to go back to college or get furthering education to further your career. It's going to take a step of faith and some major changes in your life. It's going to lead you to something that's bigger and better. For some of you, it may be reach out to someone who's far from God. You know they don't have a relationship with God, and God's stirring your heart to, to reach out to them and to share with them the hope that you found in Jesus Christ. But you may be thinking, I've already tried. I've tried to reach out. I've tried to, to invite them, but they, they seem resistant. God's still saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Come on, keep, keep on believing. What is it that God is asking you to do or believe? And then, when you get ready to respond, never forget this. This is the third principle I'm going to share with you today. God's interruptions are often invitations. God's purposes are often different than our plans. Number three, outcome is God's responsibility Obedience is yours. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. What's going to happen? How are we going to do this? When's it going to come down? Outcome is God's responsibility. That's in his corner. Outcome is always God's responsibility. All you're called to do is to take a step of faith and obey. Tell yourself again and again, obedience is mine. Outcome is God's. Obedience is my responsibility. Outcome is always God's. Turn to the person next to you and say, outcome is God's. Obedience is yours. There's going to come a time when God's going to call you God's going to give you what seems to be an interruption, but it's actually an invitation. He wants you to start a small group. We've got small groups that are forming now for our winter semester. God wants you to start a small group, and you're in the back of your mind saying, well, when am I going to do this? How how am I going to do this? I'm already very busy. Come on. You're getting it wrong. Obedience is yours. Outcome is him. He'll find the way if you'll just take the step of faith. God is calling us to tithe, and I don't know how we're going to do it. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. We've got three children, and we thought we were done. Now there's this fostering thing, and if we get another kid, (laughs) we don't have the transportation for that. Where are we going to get something for that? How how are our other kids going to interact with them? No. Obedience is your part. Outcome is his part. You simply surrender yourself to him. Just like a teenage virgin girl did 2,000 years ago, when in God's goodness and sovereign plan, he interrupted her with an invitation to a higher calling. Because his purpose was different than her plans. And in her mind, she couldn't conceive 
how it was possible. But she had to remember that all things are possible with God. So the angel puts this opportunity in front of her, just as I believe God is gonna put opportunities in front of you. How did she respond? Last scripture, Luke chapter one, verse 38. She responded, I love this. The very first thing she said is, I am the Lord's servant. Before she responds to anything else, she reminds herself who she is and whose she is. I am the Lord's, sometimes when you get that mixed up, we think the Lord's here to serve us. Folks, no, we are here as his servant to do what he wants for us. I belong to the King of Kings. He is my Lord and I am called to serve him. And even though I don't understand and I can't figure it all out, and it will certainly cost me, and it's gonna be probably harder than I could ever imagine, I belong to him. Because I belong to him, I can trust him with the outcome and I will be obedient. Then she says one of the most faith-filled statements in all the Bible, verse 38, may it be to me as you have said. In other words, I trust in God and his plan completely. I choose not to let fear keep me from what he has for me. I know God. His plans for me are good. He is just and he is loving. And if he interrupts me with something that's inconvenient for me, then I want to surrender myself to his invitation because I know that his ways are higher than my ways. His purposes are higher than my plans and his thoughts are greater than I could ever imagined. And ultimately, outcome is God's. Obedience is mine. Thank you for listening to the Victory Church online podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more information about Victory Church or to give online, visit victorychurchgf.com. Have a blessed week.